hello everybody and welcome back to season two of the fourth leg a tabletop gaming show all about giving new gms a leg to stand on my name's hunter i'm your host and editor i've never included that in the intro before there's a, a fun fact if you don't follow our twitter um <laughs> i'm also joined by our two regular hosts joe and kelsey say hi folks hi folks what's up and we're also honored to be joined by sam from role playing and role playing sam say hi and introduce yourself uh, hello, hello. My name is Sam. I run Role Playing Role Playing, both the podcast and the Twitter account. I'm not DMing this season. I actually get to take a breather and play for the for once, but I also edit nice. that podcast, so I understand your pain. <laughs> <laughs> well, podcasts uh, are, or podcast actual plays are a lot more chaotic to edit than discussion oh, formats. Oh, dear God. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, yes. I don't think I get your pain, not quite yet. Oh, it is. It's a, it's a lot. It's a labor of love. It's a labor mm-hmm. of love. Oh, yeah. yeah, and it definitely comes through. I am not at all caught up on your show. Oh no! But no uh, what I what I've listened to is fantastic. It's uh, a good show, listeners. Go go do yourself yeah, a favor yeah. go, and listen go, to go role listen play, to that role season two. Is out now. Hey, we're both in season two. Yeah, we have so yeah. much in common. Wow! Wow! <laughs> so quirky. <laughs> what? what? I have a podcast. You have a podcast. What? It's crazy. No way. In today's economy? You have a podcast. You have a podcast. <laughs> we're the Oprah of podcasts. At least we're not. Yes. At least we're not a murder, uh, murder mystery, or true crime. Um, true crime. Yeah. True Ooh. crime. There are some that I've gotten sucked into. I'm not gonna lie. But anyway, at least we're not the Joe Rogan podcast. Um, Anyways. Mm. <laughs> okay. I feel like that's just a low blow at this point. It's a little hanging fruit. <laughs> oh, you know, the sad thing is, and I fully admitted this on Twitter, if you follow me on Twitter, for the longest time, for, don't know why, my brain thought that Seth Rogan and Joe Rogan were the same person. <laughs> they they are. They just changed their name for tax purposes, Kelsey. Uh, yeah. okay. It's all a tax evasion. <laughs> it's all an act. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Don't if you notice, why. both of them are big proponents of marijuana. So. Yeah, they got the stoner oh, yeah. laugh. Like <laughs> They're pretty much the exact same person, really. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, but before we get into today's topic, we need to get into our fun fact. So today, the question for everybody in the call is, what video game world would you like to be trapped in the most? Or, I guess, replace our world with? Kelsey, start us off. I feel like my answer is fairly obvious if you've been listening to this show for hold more on, hold than on, one hold episode. On. Dragon Ball Super. Act no. <laughs> no. Oh, it's a it's a video game. Yeah. So Budokai. Uh, no. <laughs> Budokai Tenkaichi three. No, I see Classic. I see I see where you're going with this because I do talk about Dragon Ball and Dragon Ball Z like a lot, but honestly, Kingdom Hearts. What? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I okay. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Because I mean, if you've been listening to this series for more than one episode, you know that the homebrew campaign that I'm running is like Kingdom Hearts, but not in the Disney universe. Hmm. So, like, if I had to pick a video game world to live in, Kingdom Hearts. That's a really good option. Yeah. I love the Kingdom Hearts series. Yeah, so you just wouldn't same. wouldn't have any idea what was going on half the time. I mean, I play the games from the outside looking in, and I don't know what's going on half the time. So there you go. I mean, that's real life though, too. You're like, what the hell's going on? I know taxes. Yeah. Who knows? Oh, don't, yeah. I'm just gonna send this off and hope it's right. But you're not gonna tell yeah, me unless much. I owe you more money. Mm-hmm. I owe the IRS five hundred dollars. How'd that happen? That's crazy. Yeah. There you go. Wait, how do I unlock this door? I know. I'm just gonna smash this uh, controller system. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it's much more simple. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just beat it with a keyblade. Solve ninety nine percent of your problems. Yes. Um, Follow up. What world would you like to exchange with our own? Uh, exchange. Uh, that that is a different question to be trapped in. I'd say because oh, well, exchange. What world do you want to get trapped in? Okay. Semantics. semantics. Well, uh, these are dangerous semantics here because get trapped in. I'd say Doom Eternal. I absolutely Ooh. love Doom Eternal. It's like my favorite game ever. Uh, and I know that might be a weird choice, like, hey, man, that's, like, constant, like, carnage and metal, and I, and I will respond to you with, yes, it's constant carnage and metal. What's not to love? That sounds <laughs> amazing. Yeah. That sounds so, sounds dope. So that would 
probably be my uh, choice without thinking about it because I'd probably get tired of it pretty soon. Uh, but if I had to think about it, probably like Minecraft or something like that, you know? Your dry cleaning bill would be massive in Doom Eternal because you're uh, trying to get all that gore and stuff off your power suit. I, I figure at that point it's just brown and you're good with it, you know? Brownish okay. red. You know, rent a power washer every so often. Remember <laughs> what the sky looks like. Walk into a car wash. You'll get the job done. Power wash there it with go. blood. Such of the game. Yeah. All right, Joe. What video game world would you like to get trapped in? So there's not a lot of internal logic in this world, but uh, I feel like Pokemon is the perfect balance of mm. like mm. engaging and lots of neat things to see, but also pretty relaxed. Um, yep. I'm not yep. an Animal Crossing person. Uh, I, I like games with a goal or a, like a, a general through line as opposed to like just going out and making my own fun. But to, to be wandering around with my uh, super lazy little sloth or, you know, pick your favorite Pokemon there, like would be pretty doof. Yeah, would be pretty so, cool. So what you're saying is you would just stay in this world, but put eyeballs on everything. <laughs> you know, if necessary. Googly eyes. Everything would yell its name at you. Yeah. Also. If that ain't the vibe. So you'd yeah. be like, Stapler, where are you? Stapler, Stapler. Got it. Yeah, Perfect. I was just thinking about, I think it was on Twitter that I saw this. Someone took a picture of like a pile of cables and then just put googly eyes and shoes on it. And they were like, this is Tangela. <laughs> I can see that. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so what video game world would I like to be trapped in? Uh, so I've never played this game to the end, but have y'all ever heard? It's a dating sim, Doki Doki Literature. Oh, God. Oh, really? God. You want to? Oh. No, really? What? Oh. Are you a oh. masochist? Are you, are you a madman? I'm totally joking. <laughs> so my, my heart wants to say Kingdom Hearts because that's that's a, uh, a video game franchise that I grew up on. But honestly, I'd probably rather be in the Dragon Age universe. Oh, that's oh, yeah, another that's rough dope. one. It's cool, but it's another rough one. Yeah, I know it's a little rough, but a lot of the games that I really enjoy are like wartime apocalypse games. So it's like, which one is the least crisis heavy? <laughs> okay, so my experience with Dragon Age, I sometimes forget that that's the plot because most of the time I only know it as a romance simulator. <laughs> Welcome to Bioware. Yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> but yeah, uh no, Dragon Age is a lot of fun. It's really pretty, especially Inquisition. Especially when yes. you're covered in uh demon gore. Or yeah. dark especially then yeah. when you're hunting for like two thousand elf roots so you can make a single potion. Alright, with that, let's get into today's discussion. But first listeners, we don't often put content warnings into our show because we don't really touch on t like too sensitive topics. But a little bit of self-awareness here, we have a tendency to ramble and tangent, so with today's topic, we may touch on uh, topics that may affect some sensitive viewers in different ways. So if we stumble onto a topic that affects you in any kind of adverse or negative way, please step away from the episode, take care of your mental health as needed. Uh, everybody's a little bit different, so make that judgment call for yourself and listen with caution. Because today, we, well, caution's probably a bit too severe of a word. Listen with care. Yeah. With, with care. Because uh, today we're going to be talking about healthy table talk and managing mental health at your table. Sam, uh, you brought this topic to us. Why don't you go ahead, kick us off with your thoughts about this discussion? Yeah, so really a lot of, there, there's a lot of, discourse with this topic um mm -hmm. i i'd say unfortunately even because a lot of people have and i've heard it said throughout the community that safe space just doesn't sound right you know like people mm -hmm. are like oh you're using a safe space that's some woke sjw bullshit i'm paraphrasing with my little little fingers here <laughs> uh but whether they like it or not, they're probably creating a safe space themselves because all a safe space really is is just everybody agreeing to a certain set of parameters beforehand and then running with those from there on. As long as everybody's having fun, and I mean actually having fun as opposed to picking on one person or somebody's uncomfortable but feels too uncomfortable to talk about that, mm -hmm. that is a safe space. And that's kind of... The, that's kind of the gist of 
really managing mental health at the table and that that's like that is the the crux of it because i remember i i like i i made like a meme about like like nobody's cool except for like dms who actively make the table a safe space and i got flack for it i was like surprised like what really this is this is the thing you're going to like make me stand on like die on a hill on really this is mm-hmm. the topic when you yourself have agreed to doing this exact thing and it's not really hypocrisy it's just it's a misunderstanding because Mm -hmm. mental health is extremely important especially in a game where people tend to project themselves onto the people they're playing absolutely uh, and use them as sort of conduits to mess around with their own sense of identity and their own mental health issues because for a very long time, I used this game as escapism, which I know is a very common thing. Mm-hmm. And I I used it as a way to kind of envision myself as somebody who was more competent than I felt, right? And that isn't the case for everyone. You know, some people are just playing the game to play the game. That is totally fine. But everyone's got to be aware of what everyone else is using the game for, because it could be a lot more serious than you know just a game to some people i guess mm-hmm. uh, that's what i'm trying to say that's kind of the gist that's part of that safe space is acknowledging you know what the game means to each per- each person and each player whether you're the gm or the player exactly mm-hmm. yeah yeah because everybody comes in with different expectations some people are there just to kick back and have fun some people are there to be like okay group therapy but <laughs> we're playing clerics and paladins and whatnot Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's actually an important point to bring up. You know, we talk about our second episode all the time. We talked about session zero. And a big part and in, in one of the most important reasons that you can have a session zero for any game that you want to play is to set up what your table is okay with and not okay with. These are your boundaries, your lines and veils. But I think a, a secondary point off of that is to remember that while like D&D and other TTRPGs can be therapeutic. They're not necessarily the same thing as therapy. Oh, absolutely oh, not. Yeah. Do true. not substitute that for therapy. You yeah. will be very disappointed. I guarantee yeah. you. Yeah. yeah. So while I encourage everybody to seek therapy, if it's in within your financial means, understand that D&D ain't it. Yeah. <laughs> because while you can uh, explore yourself a little bit, uh, and, you know, I, I explored my my struggles and my relationship with religion through the lens of D&D and through a character journey, and it was very healthy for me. It's not always going to be that way, especially when you're tackling uh, much more sensitive and personal issues. So just keep in mind, your table... mm, How to phrase this? What am I looking for here? What you bring to the table is on full display for everybody, and that could cross somebody else's boundaries. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So just be aware of of what you're bringing to the table and make sure that it fits within what is making your table a safe space. And if it is something that you cannot explore at the table, at that point you may want to go ahead and, and seek somebody who can actually help you with that. Uh, I'm going to play audience surrogate for a second and say, hey, I didn't listen to episode two, so what are some good ways that I can signal to the table that I want some boundaries set up without sounding like a jackass yeah that's really good i I guess since you're the audience surrogate um (laughs) sam joe and i'll go through and and give one of each sam i'll invite you to go first is there a particular safety tool that you use whenever somebody feels that their boundaries have been violated yeah uh usually i play with a group of me and five of the close four of the close friends for the podcast Mm-hmm. So we kind we kind of know what boundaries not to cross, but for a new game especially, we we like to I like to use a system like just X's, right? Where you mm-hmm. if you hold mm-hmm. up, I'm doing it in front of the camera, like your your yeah. like just an X with your arms, yeah. And I like if you do it quick, just to kind of catch your DM's eye or something before uh, a player or anyone else sees it. Uh, it's just that's just like a hey, this is a boundary, please don't cross it. And an even more subtle way I found is. If you're, this is really good, especially on Discord, if you, like, just PM the DM, oh, it's funny, rhymes, <laughs> I just, I just, you just kind of say, like, hey, uh, I'm not comfortable with this, can we please move on ASAP? And then the DM doesn't have to, nobody's looking at you, right, it, nobody's embarrassed, mm-hmm. people can move on, and then afterwards, you can talk with the DM if you need to and say, hey, this is why this may be uncomfortable, 
if we could please not cross that boundary again, that'd be great. Because mistakes do happen, and session zero is 100% should be necessary. Um, it, mistakes do happen, and mm-hmm. it's just it's good to just be in constant communication. That is key. Yep. With having mm-hmm. your table be a safe space. I think uh, if you were concerned about uh, lines or veils or what, however you want to say it, uh, I think maybe asking the other people first, like, hey, are there any topics you don't want to cover or, or that you're uncomfortable with covering while we play? Like, get their input first, and then when you come in with, hey, like, you know, rape or, and obviously that's one that you wouldn't want to cover, but, like, fire or spiders or any of those things like if you're checking in with everybody else first you are offering them the opportunity to say like hey these are things that make me uncomfortable you know i had a relative that uh, you know took their own life or something like that so i really don't want to touch on that topic mm-hmm. you're giving them that platform before you're you're starting to say hey like i really don't like xyz let me stand on my soapbox because it comes off a lot differently in my opinion and it definitely gets easier uh, the better you know your table, mm-hmm. uh, the people at your table. I won't disclose names, but two people at my table have attempted in the past. Mm-hmm. Thankfully, they're both with us today, and they're both uh, in a sound state of mind. Good. But just knowing that going in, I don't even need to ask, hey, is it okay if I include yada yada? Because I know that it's not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So right. knowing your table definitely helps. But in the event that you don't, I'm... <laughs> uh, I think Kelsey actually uh, put this into words in our Session Zero episode, but allowing a player to walk away from the table yeah, um, mm-hmm. is one of my personal favorites. Just allow breathing room um, mm-hmm. is the way that I say it now. It's like step away anytime that you need to. You don't even need to explain it to me. I might follow up with you to figure out what I did yeah. or, or what happened so I can stop it in the future, but don't feel a need to explain. Step away if you need to. Yeah. Um, and I think that giving that autonomy well from a gm's perspective giving that autonomy to the players mm-hmm. uh, i think is a very positive thing overall yeah for clarity yeah this was something that i brought up in our session zero episode where the rule that i have at my table is if you need to get up for whatever reason you can just go ahead and get up for whatever reason um and this was largely because when i first started dming it was at public settings like comic book shops so people could get up and leave to like go to the bathroom run to the checkout, uh, grab a snack, do whatever it was that they needed to. There weren't a whole ton of times where campaigns would touch on sensitive topics, but I mean, there was one player that I had that had an aversion to spiders, like such an immense, like aversion to spiders so much so that like I had a mini for a spider and he did not want to sit at the table with that mini there. Like Mm. it was that strong. And I did not know this because it's kind of hard to have a session zero when you are running an adventure setting in a comic shop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there was that rule of you can get up and leave the table whenever you want to. So he took advantage of that. And I was able to be like, okay, I'm reading the room. I can replace this mini with like, because we're all dice gremlins. I can just replace <laughs> it with like a D6 and mm-hmm. put it to whatever number that I need to be based on how many enemies are on the board. So, like, pro tip, if you're uh, playing with somebody who has s- such a strong aversion to a particular thing that it makes them uncomfortable, and you're like, oh, crap, I don't really have anything that I can replace it with, just dice. Use a dice. Absolutely. Joe, uh, why don't you go ahead and share your thoughts on this topic? Yeah, so obviously we've touched on sessions here a little bit. Uh, sometimes you may be running like a one shot or something, and you may not have time to run a f- dedicate to a full session zero. Uh, so last night I ran uh, the first half of the uh, fifth edition Vampire the Masquerade uh, box set, basically, kind of introducing uh, some of my Monday night group to the game. Ooh. And Ooh. obviously we like pump the brakes really quick up front. Like, hey guys, obviously this is World of Darkness. We're playing a game where each one of your characters is a variety of predator. Like, let's be honest. Like, Mm -hmm. some of it you may be comfortable with, some of it you may not. Like, let's take a step back and talk about those things that we're not comfortable with so that I'm not putting you in that situation. Mm -hmm. And and it's important, even if you're just dedicating 10 to 15 minutes of it versus a a full session. 
you want to make sure that you you talk through any topics. Uh, we're all friends. We've been playing for about a year now, so we all are pretty have a pretty good like patter as far as like hey like let's move on or all right let's go or so that helps. Uh, but at least touch on like hey guys this is this is what this setting or what this story is about. Like be advised and let's make sure that we don't step on anybody's toes. Yeah, and I think if you don't mind me interjecting yeah, go ahead. here. Um, I think the more introspective your game gets, the more importance you need to place on those boundaries. Mm -hmm. So there are certain settings, like a lot of sci-fi settings or the world of darkness, that deal with a lot of those very personal topics. You know, the ideas of humanity and imposter syndrome Mm -hmm. that are rampant in the world of darkness, uh, even starting at character creation. And then... You know, most sci-fi settings are, well, with the exception of Star Wars because it's fantasy, but uh, most sci-fi settings are going to ask questions, what does it mean to be human? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those can be very difficult questions to address uh, for a player. So mm-hmm. uh, having that in place of being like, hey, I notice we're getting deep into it right now. Let's stop and let's talk it out is essential if your game is going to be introspective that way. I think one thing too, especially if you know what you're getting into or kind of know like the general direction you're going with your story, is to touch on those potential triggers or opportunity areas. And sometimes it's your group may not be comfortable with talking about it around the table. Like you have to know your audience. Like sometimes you may need to either like put out a Google form and be like, hey guys, like this is some stuff that I'm going to go over with. Like this is what we're going to expect. Like, please fill this out, like, be as honest as you want, all your feedback is anonymous, like, or just, like, sit down on a one-on-one, like, Skype call or conversation basis and be like, wow, I went back to 2000 with Skype. Yeah, I, I, I <laughs> went for, like, a time loop there for a second. Yeah, <laughs> sit down and just, like, talk about it one-on-one, because sometimes the things that make us uncomfortable or the things that we've dealt with in our past uh, are not necessarily things that we want on display uh, around the table. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and that, that kind of speaks to that comfort level again. As we've touched on before, like communication throughout the session is a, is a really big deal, whether you're using safety tools or uh, just kind of working through. Check in uh, at emotional high and low points. So like whether, you know, you guys just killed a big dragon and, you know, they were a big bad and you, you have that like emotional fallout of like, wow, we did it. Like we kicked the big bads, but like, you know, what, what happens next? Like, Take a minute to unpack that. Take an opportunity to talk through it. Or, you know, if they lost a, you know, beloved NPC or something, like, okay, like, let's take a minute. Like, how are you guys feeling? Like, are you okay? Do we need to talk through anything? Like, what's up? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, you just need to verify that everything is, is still comfortable for the players. The whole goal, every every game that we sit down to as as GMs, we're there to evoke some kind of emotion, right? Whether that's excitement, whether that's fear in like a Call of Cthulhu setting, mm-hmm. or maybe even sadness at times. But like just because we're there to em- evoke emotion doesn't mean that we're there to like do it at great cost to the players. Right. There's a, a difference between making a setting to kind of push the players and make them become heroes and creating a setting that's essentially torture porn. Yeah, punishment. Yeah. 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 I th- I think maybe like the like evoke and inflict are the two kind of like words that come to mind. Like yeah, like you're you're kind of like bringing this stuff up to the surface with evoke, but like inflicting s- punishment. You're yeah. literally dragging them through stuff that is uncomfortable, unhappy. Yeah. And the question is if you're going to be doing that kind of stuff, what's the end goal with that? Cuz like you are constructing a narrative w- with your players. So what what's the outcome that you're striving for? Like, while outcomes are not 100% guaranteed, as long as there is, like, some kind of end goal at the end of it, that's what counts. Because pain, just for the sake of pain, I mean, if that's your thing, just go to fanfiction.net and read something written by some 13-year-old, because that's all they're good for. <laughs> <'Cause>, hey. Like... <laughs> Now you're inflicting pains for pain's sake on all of our 13-year-old listeners who write on fantasy. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Like, if, if you're just after, like, pain for pain's sake, like, there's there's other hobbies that you can do. Because, mm-hmm. like, if your other players are interested in pain for pain's sake... Um, Play D&D first edition. Th- yeah. 
Go go be an elf. Shots fired. And, and, cr- and cry that it's your class and not your identity. Anyway. Yeah. Um, we've talked about allowing breaks. I think also yeah. it's important to like talk through emotions uh, before you step back in. But do that in a way that's organic to your table. Like fade to black in a really tense moments if you can tell like it's getting uh, it's getting uncomfortable. I mean, you, your GMs generally you know how to read a room. Yeah. But have a healthy dialogue, whether that's one on one before you guys come back to the table as people are like going to the bathroom and you know grabbing a snack or a beer or whatever. If your venue of choice uh, does have alcohol. Like, catch somebody that you think might have been hit pretty hard by it. Like, hey, man, I just wanted to check in on you. You cool? You good? All right. Sometimes, like, me and one of my other players will hang out in front of the shop before we go home and, like, talk through, like, the session, like, for 20 minutes to an hour, depending on how, like, big and impactful it was. Like, just take Mm -hmm. the time for your players. Like, hey, like, these are the things that matter to you. Like, where were we at? Yeah, one of my players consistently calls me up the next day. Uh, and he's like, hey, I've had time to sit and I've had time to process. Here's what I think about that session. And we'll go through it with me. Mm-hmm. Our most recent session, I could tell like by the very end of it, he was getting really frustrated, like to the point where he was like, I just do this. I just do that. Mm-hmm. And he was kind of lashing out a little bit. Mm-hmm. So we got to a point where I was like, hey, guys, I'm going to call it here. This combat, there's no way that this single enemy is going to stand up to the five of you. We're going to call it here. Mm-hmm. This is what you find on the floor of this dungeon that you're on. We're going to be done for the night. Everybody enjoy the rest of your night. And then I called him the next day, and I'm like, hey, let's talk it out. What was going on? We've brought it up multiple times already, but I'll reiterate it again. Communication is so, so, so important when it comes to managing. I mean, we're talking about table talk, so you can't really have healthy table talk if you don't know how to communicate healthily. Yeah. But especially in in terms of managing mental health, being able to communicate effectively with one another mm-hmm. is paramount. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, setting up boundaries, you know, telling somebody that they've violated those boundaries, being open with one another, none of that matters if you do not listen to them and communicate mm-hmm. in kind. Yeah, I literally left somebody's table uh, because they. W- I was bringing up something and they were like, well, you're just complaining because it's not going your way. I was like, no, I just had a question. Like I wanted to understand Mm -hmm. how effective this was. And he like blew up and I was like, okay, cool. Like there is no need for you to treat me a grown man that way. Mm -hmm. I won't be playing in any more of your games. Like that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing too, if I may, is this is, this is something that I've always had problems with until like fairly recently, like, you don't have to say something the same day. You can just mm-hmm. be like, hey, some, something's up, but I can't put it into words yet. Give me time to process and put it into words, especially if you're dealing with um, neurodivergent people, because a lot of times neurodivergent people like myself are just like emotion and they feel the emotion, but there's no words to put to the emotion yet. And it can take upwards of like a day, sometimes longer to process that and be like, oh, so that's why emotion happened. (laughs) So being able to give your players the room to process that and then approach you and be like, oh, okay, so words, here's words for what happened the other day. Like being able to give them that grace is important as well. Absolutely. Um, One of the things that I really encourage people to do, especially if you know your players well enough to know when you're kind of getting into racy territory, I encourage GMs to just tell the players what's coming. Yeah. Right? So it's like, okay, let's just say as a hypothetical, you're in a D&D game, they go to fight a dragon. Turns out that this dragon is the, let's say, paternal grandfather of your party's dragonborn sorcerer right something like really like potentially earth shattering for that character for that player let's just say you know this player and you're like they've had a rough time with their family for the past couple of months this one might hit a little bit harder just go up and be like hey guys before we get into this dragon fight dragonborn this is gonna deal pretty heavily with themes of family after the fight is over are you okay with that or do we need to skip that for another day or remove it entirely 
and then they can decide before they get into the fight and it's too little too late. I encourage GMs to do that. Communicate with your players. Tell them what's coming if you think it might be not okay. Because it's better to ask beforehand and just remove it and improv something that doesn't make a lot of sense. It's fantasy. It'll make sense eventually, mm-hmm. I promise you. Yeah. Just tell your players what's coming. Mm-hmm. Figure it out if it's okay beforehand and move forward with what's healthy for everybody. Yeah. And if there are DMs out there or GMs out there who are like, no, it'll ruin the story. Well, you're being a bit too rigid with your story, if you don't yeah. mind my saying so. So a good storyteller is flexible and can move things where they need to. I mean, mm-hmm. also, several uh, good storytellers generally hint at things ahead of time. Uh, so that you're kind of prepared, maybe not like you they spell it out for you, but they may just be like, hey, like here's a couple things that may lead you to believe what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's there's a thing in filmmaking in particular, and it sometimes bleeds over into comics, but it's in filmmaking in particular, where there will be some scenes and like particularly like the first 10 minutes of a film where it'll like hint at the end. Um, if you want a good example of this, just watch Inside Out. Because Inside Out, in the first 10 minutes, there's a hint of how the story is going to end, like, in the first 10 minutes of the movie. Mm-hmm. Well, it's the idea of Chekhov's gun, Yeah. right? They show you the decisive item or person way before it becomes relevant, and it doesn't really make sense until it, it is. Uh, I think A Quiet Place, mm-hmm. that's the movie with John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So A Quiet Place, you call it Chekhov's nail. Like halfway through the movie, they show this nail sticking up out of the uh, out of the stairs. And you know, if you step on a nail, it's going to hurt really bad. But they don't really make a big deal about it. Nobody notices it until later in the movie, one of the characters is running down the stairs trying to stay quiet and steps on that upturned nail. And it's like, oh, Ugh. ow. That hurts. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're going to watch that movie, that scene is a little visceral. It's tough to watch. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So warning there. Uh, Great movie if you can can stomach a little bit of of gore. But yeah, setting things up like that, showing, revealing something important before it becomes important uh, can definitely help kind of alleviate some of that pressure. Yeah. Absolutely. There's also something to be said about taking advantage of player knowledge versus character knowledge. Yes. And exercising that to help with this sort of thing. Absolutely. I'm going to go ahead and I'll go ahead. I'll move on to um, one other point that I want to make specifically that we haven't quite touched on yet. And that's session canceling. So, guys... It's okay if you miss a week of D&D yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, or a week of whatever game that you're playing. Um, a lot of us, at least in our casual games, aren't, we're, we're not Critical Role, we're not Dimension 20, we're not insert large D&D uh, corporation here. Mm-hmm. Like, this isn't our livelihood in, in many, many, many cases. Yeah. So don't feel bad for missing a week. Uh, I've had to call off sessions myself uh, because work is getting overwhelming or I had you know, I have a lot of family drama going on right now that sometimes just does not have me in a good headspace to run D&D. I'm fortunate enough that I have another uh, very trusted GM in my campaign that I can be like, hey, it's a couple days out. I know I'm not going to be okay for this session. Do you want to throw together a one shot or do you want to, you know, put together a video game night? And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And we just have a week off. But take care of yourself, even if that means you don't get to play. Because it's better to play in a, in a healthy mind state than it is to force yourself to play and then nobody really has a good time. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. You know, so uh, just keep that in mind. You're human. Yeah. It's okay to call it off every now and again and you know nobody's going to be mad at you and if they are probably shouldn't be at that table. I mean if if you're in a funk you may not be receptive to those cues, you you may not mm-hmm. you may yeah. snap when you you should have listened instead like there's a lot of opportunities there for sure. Yep. Yeah. Absolutely. And then I think we talked about Sam, I think you brought this up. Mistakes happen. Mhm. Of course. We're human. What's most important, though, is if you 
we'll say if you slip up and if you cross a line that was previously communicated, the most important thing to do in that instance is to take responsibility for it, apologize, and then make a conscious effort to improve in the future. Uh, this is true for real life too. So, you know, life advice with Hunter. I'm not a medical <laughs> professional. So, uh, but, you know, if you make a mistake in, in real life or at your table and you cross a line with somebody, don't get defensive about it. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times somebody's reaction to that is purely emotional in that moment. It's It's nothing personal against you. And if you come clean, you're like, hey, either I'm sorry I didn't know or you know what, I'm sorry, I should have known. Both of those will go a long way towards healing whatever wounds were made Mm -hmm. and then making a conscious effort to improve in the future and not cross that line again goes even farther of a way. Oh, yeah. I DMing, really, and I mean anything, any relationship, requires Mm -hmm. a lot of trust. Uh, And if you break that trust, whether it's accidentally or, God forbid, on purpose... Mm-hmm. That that can take a while to be kind of mended, and for taking responsibility for that action is the very first step you have to take in order to rebridge that trust, right? Because I mean, especially with D and D, whatever other tabletop games you play, the person running the game has power over everyone else at the table that they have agreed yes. to participate in. That mm. can be a very scary thing. If it's done wrong, yeah. that is that is inherently if I just told you we're going to play a game, I'm going to essentially function as both God and the setting and you will be within that setting. I don't know mm-hmm. how many people would like it if I phrased it that way. And, it, yeah. and that takes a lot of trust for anyone to be in that position and say, yeah, sure, I'll let you run a game. I'll let you be the setting, you know, I'll mm-hmm. let you be the background for this when you get to yep. define the rules, it's that that whole like mentality of saw. Would you like to play a game? Exactly. Like, you don't you don't know what to expect. Yes. No, and yeah. I mean especially because like with rule zero, there is no true boundaries unless you set them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. GMs, DMs, we're talking a lot about like the player perspective. This goes for GMs too. Mm-hmm. Like everything 100%. that we're talking about, Absolutely. everything that we're talking about, like, yeah, if you as a GM are coming up to a particular point and you are starting to feel uncomfortable, make that evident and be like, hey, maybe we should like take a break or just communicate with your players about this sort of thing. Because like the, the idea of the DM or the GM sets the rules and everybody has to obey the rules no matter what is i feel like that's a massive tell that you've only ever played first edition um (laughs) well also i mean like sometimes parties can be a little bit of a runaway train Mm -hmm. but uh uh to to kind of circle back to hunter's point like when you when you make those mistakes when you make those transgressions like be gracious like i had uh we had a session zero Mm-hmm. And uh, someone did bring up self harm as a as a line, right? Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. uh, some players. It's a power of the apocalypse system, so some players were trying to figure out how their characters met or like meshed, and they brought that up. And one of the other players was like, "Hey, it wasn't even the person who uh, had had suggested it. it. Was like, hey, that's one of our that's one of our lines. We can't do that. Like, even as a GM, I was like, hey, thank you for bringing that up. I'm sorry, I didn't like." Thank yeah. you for catching that. Be gracious. Like, I will make sure that it doesn't happen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the GM is not solely responsible for the health of the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, as a as a player, too, as a player, uh, you need to be holding one another accountable to the barriers that you've set up for each other's safety. And it doesn't need to, like, be aggressive mm-hmm. in any way. It could just be like, hey... Uh, you know, just a reminder in case we missed it or in case we we Forgot. you know slipped up today. That's something that makes somebody at this table uncomfortable, or I'm made uncomfortable by that. Could you could we please move on or rephrase or do something? Mm-hmm. And it, to circle back to the point of GMs abusing their power, we're just making figure eights right now. <laughs> yeah, um, I always go back whenever I'm feeling like I'm overstepping as a GM. I always go back to the D&D horror stories subreddit. <laughs> oh, God. And 
I'm like, if I'm doing better than that, I'm, I'm probably okay. But there's one in particular that is just such a violation of character agency that I always bring up as like a, hey, this is a really good example of a GM not communicating effectively and not listening effectively to the table. Mm. It's a female player. A lot of D&D horror stories are. Um, uh, that tracks. Unfortunately. Yeah. But it's a female player with female character. Mm. And this male player with a male character is constantly trying to romance her. And she makes it very clear, I don't want that to happen. She's gone for a session. And as it turns out, the GM had allowed her player to be romanced while she was not there and ended up having sexual encounter with that other player's character while she was not at the table that (laughs) who guys like y'all are not seeing our faces right now because this is a podcast but not cool don't do that if yeah don't do that (laughs) if i need to explain any further why that kind of violation of agency is not okay um Guys, you got a little bit of reading to do uh, on, on, you know, personal agency. Mm -hmm. Don't ever, and I I don't make a lot of universal statements, but please do not ever make such a intense personal choice like that on behalf of your player. Mm -hmm. If you even think you're getting into that territory, skip it and come back to it next session while that player is present. You know, the dialogue can wait and you can retcon if you need to. Stuff that eats at player agency is tough. Um, you mm-hmm. have, you know, you have like Charm Person or uh, the Dominate Discipline in, in BTM. Mm-hmm. And I, as, a, as a GM, I try to go, hey, this is the order they gave you. What do you do? Yeah. And as yeah. opposed to, well, this is what you're going to do because that's what they said. Like, no, like let them choose their action. But, like, give them a framework to work within. Like, hey, these were your instructions. Yes. What do you do? Yeah. Because that kind of stuff, unfortunately, is hardwired into some of the games we play. And handling it very poorly can really wreck your session. Yeah. Yeah. And that's exactly why I, I mean, I stand firm on this. And this is a hill that I will die on every time. Uh, I think that enchantment magic in D&D is... <laughs> the most horrendously evil school of magic oh, yeah. mm-hmm. available mm-hmm. to a person. Yeah. Because um, at least with necromancy, the dead people don't have to remember what you made them do. That's true. Yeah. Hadn't thought of it that way, but that's true. <laughs> yeah, it is. Ooh, I've, I've held this opinion for years, mm-hmm. and I think that it would be with a, a table that is okay with it and a GM who is uh, very, very well versed in dealing with things like this, I think it would be interesting to explore enchantment magic and where the line is between its ethicality but that is something for a very experienced table with you know a lot of prep going into it that is not something to take on lightly it's it's difficult there's <laughs> actually uh dc did a uh, mini series written by brad Meltzer called identity crisis mm-hmm. uh, where they do deal with like um like changing or altering someone's memory like or to to make them like not a a villain anymore and like the ethics behind that it's it's actually really good uh definitely recommend it even if you're not a big like justice league fan it's a it's a pretty compelling like mystery and kind of ethics question okay yeah uh but sam joe kelsey do you guys have any other lingering thoughts floating in the ether that we can grab onto and discuss before we come to the close i had one and then it floated I'm good. Yeah, I I can't I can't think okay. of anything unless yeah no that's it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you guys for joining me. This has been um, a very deep discussion. I enjoy conversations of of mental health and healthy communication, even if they are kind of difficult to get through. Sometimes I think they're really really important to have. And GMs, it's important to have you know conversations like this with your table players it's important to continue this narrative throughout your game make sure that everybody is healthy and safe and happy and yes make sure that your space is safe as well it's not sjw propaganda it's taking care of one another so please if you take nothing else from this episode um show love to one another platonic or otherwise i don't know your life (laughs) yeah i don't know (laughs) whatever works for you yeah um 
but show love to one another. Give each other the care that everybody at your table deserves, and don't lean entirely on the GM to handle the health and communication of the table. It is everyone's responsibility. I think we're thankfully uh, in a world right now that is a lot more cognizant and aware of mental health. It's something that I kind of grappled with, like being able to talk about going to therapy um, mm-hmm. and initially, and, and we're in a lot better space. Uh, you know, I had a friend that I didn't tell where I was going on Tuesdays for, you know, a month and a half, two months. And then when I finally told him, he was like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's fine. Yeah. But like, yeah. you know, 30 years ago, you couldn't talk about that stuff. You can't talk about mental health. You can't talk about mental well-being because you're... Mm-hmm you know, you're weak or you're, you're just not right. Like, but we, it's not perfect. It's not where it needs to be, but we are a lot better off than we, we have been in the past. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's an ongoing stigma around therapy and the idea is like, Oh, only crazy people go to therapy. No. And it's so, it's just such an ugly thing. Mm -hmm. I have two adopted siblings that are five and seven. Um, Whose, whose mother did drugs while she was pregnant, mm-hmm. and they have suffered the ill effects of those. And I am so proud of my mom mm-hmm. for getting them into child therapy uh, because a lot of those stigmas surrounding mental health uh, were taught to me when I was a kid, mm-hmm. uh, you know, intentional or not. So I'm, I'm so thankful to her growth uh, yeah. in actually getting them into therapy because I, I know that they are going to be better for it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I think everybody is better for therapy, even if they don't have, you know, debilitating. Yeah. Uh, Truly. Yeah. Issues, traumas. I, I mean, I am not exactly, uh, old, you know, I'm Gen Z, you know, I, I, I'm, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, look at, look at the zoomer, but, uh, <laughs> I, I've kind of grown up in a world where it, it is more generally accepted to go to therapy and I, I have, I do sometimes still. And I mean, I've really kind of grappled with my own mental health and yeah, mm-hmm. if you, if you feel like bad or if you feel really depressed or whatnot, please God talk to someone about it. I, I know it's it's really easy to keep that stuff like just bottled up for like the longest time because nobody wants to hear it. I guarantee you people want to hear that you're not doing okay because yeah. they can yes. they can do something about it. You can see someone who will validate and reaffirm you because that's what you need. And that's yeah. okay. Whether whether that comes in a Dungeons & Dragons game, that, that should not be your first priority. Please get therapy if you actually <laughs> yeah. need therapy. Do not yeah. use D&D for that because you're projecting mm-hmm. a lot onto everyone else at the table. But yeah. regardless, just vent that kind of stuff. Don't, yeah. Do not keep mm-hmm. that all because I can promise you, as somebody who's gone through that kind of stuff before, it does not, does not end well. does not yeah. end nope. well to keep it just inside you as long as possible. Oh, absolutely yeah. not. Uh, the The difference between um, I know that there's like a lot of internet memes out there that like compare D and D to group therapy, but <laughs> it really isn't because the difference between therapy and D and D is that D and D is fun, and RPGs yep. are fun. That's what they are designed to be. But therapy is more if you are in a bad space and the usual coping tools that you have are just not working and you need a new set of coping tools, that is what therapy is for. And that is what your therapist is for. Mm-hmm. Like fantasy RPGs, they can be a coping tool, but please do not project that onto your players or your GM. Like that's not yep. what they're there for. That is what therapy is for. Therapy is there to give you the tools that you need and to help teach you some new tools and have somebody to talk about with this sort of thing. Your therapist also is not your friend. Yeah. Throwing that out there uh, because there are some people who have that impression, but no, like ideally, and I'm borrowing from cinema therapy here, which cinema therapy is a great YouTube channel. Check it out. If you haven't seen it yet, Uh, they talk about therapeutic tools and cinema, but ideally what you want is like for therapy and for family and friends and tabletop RPGs to be like a almost a figure eight. That could be the alternate title for this episode. Just figure eights, <laughs> uh, a, a figure eight that like helps support itself and is a network of support. But you don't want one element to replace the other. Ultimately, yes. Well, thank you guys again for having this discussion. Heavy stuff. It can be difficult to talk about, but it's important 
to put it into the world. All of us here with the fourth leg want to encourage you to stay healthy, take care of yourself, uh, and reach out to friends or close ones if uh, if you do find yourself needing help. Um, it's better to to put it out there and to ask than it is to keep it bottled up. You're not in this fight alone. Yeah. By the way, if you haven't yet, drink some water. Yeah, yeah drink water. <laughs> Hydrate. Hydrate. Have some peanut butter toast. You know, get something in your system. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <sighs> Deep breath, everybody. Mm-hmm. We get in it. through the nose. In through the nose, hold out, out through the, the mouth. mouth. Sam, yeah. thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure having you on, and thank you for bringing such an important topic to our table. I want to invite you to tell us what you're working on and where we can find you on the internet. Yeah, so literally, I don't know when this is going to be released, but uh, Monday the 29th, which was like, uh, I think yesterday... I launched my Kickstarter. Yay! Uh, Yay! So that's exciting. Uh, we got funded within six hours, so that's cool. Nice. Way to go. Yeah, Heck very yes. impressive. Um, that is the way you. to do it. Uh, but yeah, we, of course, money is good. So if you'd like to give me yours, that would be wonderful. Uh, but in all seriousness, uh, we've got some pretty cool stretch goals for that. That is, I guarantee you, somewhere on our Twitter page, uh, which is at our role playing r and that's r r o l l playing it, it's like role playing but without two l's like you're rolling dice yeah funny joke i get it um <laughs> yeah but yeah i check out our podcast season two's got cowboys and spooky shit so if you like that kind of stuff then you should like check it out maybe you know got some some goofs some funnies uh but yeah that's that's my stuff that's that's all i got wonderful yeah. well thank you again we'll have uh, our role playing linked below to find their twitter page and from there you can find all their links to spotify and, and other podcatchers uh, that they feature on from all of us here at the fourth leg thank you so much for listening and we'll see you in two weeks bye bye guys bye. Bye. thank you for listening to the fourth leg a show all about giving new gms a leg to stand on you can find Kelsey at Duncan Theo on Twitter and at Kelsey, K-E-L-C-I-D Crawford.com. You can find Joe at JCD0818. And you can find me, Hunter, at Skunkosaurus, S-K-U-N-K-O-S-O-U-R-O-U-S. To get in contact with us about the show or to leave us any questions, reach out to at the fourth leg on Twitter or email the fourth leg pod at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you in two weeks. Power wash with demon blood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Pretty much. We've come full circle on that. That could yes. be the name of the episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. Power washing with demon blood. A discussion on <laughs> mental health. <laughs> you heard it here it's first. My, it's the name of my ska band. Be great. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking it'd be like a metal cover band. But yeah. yep. yeah. I'm, I'm so angry at the world. I'm going to play my trumpet. <laughs>